0: This morning as we begin the season of Advent, we will be reading from Romans chapter 4 verse 18 through 21. Words about hope. And words we need in this world in which we live. Romans 4:18 begins this way. It says, "Against all hope Abraham in hope believed." And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Now pay attention to this next verse, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Well, good morning and welcome to Clear Creek. If you're a guest, my name is Josh, I'm one of the ministers here, and you have come at a great day because today, as has been mentioned before, is December 1st. The day that we begin our season of Advent. And this really is a season of birthday. Because as we come towards Christmas, it is the celebration of the day that at least we have designated the day when we remember Christ's birth. Now, as we get started this morning, I just want to ask a question, show of hands. How many of you like birthdays? Can I see some hands? Now, now keep them up for just a moment. Keep them up. Now. Notice the age of those whose hands are raised. The younger you are, the more you love birthdays, but then as you maybe get a little bit older, you're like, not so much. Maybe you're like a friend of mine who, when he turned 50, his wife thought it'd be great to bring out the cake with 50 candles on it. It was like a small bonfire, but that wasn't the only piece to it. She had her daughter bring out a fire extinguisher with it. And you think, man, birthdays, I'm not sure I love them, but but I love the celebration of birthdays because you have not just the birth itself, but all the things that remind you of the specialness of that life, of that moment. We have cakes. We have candles. We have presents. And isn't it interesting that our birthdays often reflect this one day we are coming to celebrate on December 25th, where there will be special food, there will be presents, and there will be candles. This word Advent, if you will, put this on screen, Advent comes from a Latin word, Adventus, which simply means the coming or the arrival. It has been celebrated as early as 400 AD, and it was the four Sundays before Christmas where Christ followers would intentionally pause. They would remember the coming of Christ, that yes, He did come, and yes, He will come again. Advent is a season of hope. In a dark world with difficult situations, we remember that the light of the world, as John calls Jesus, came into the world and he brought us that which no one and nothing else could bring. So in just a few minutes, we will light the hope candle and each week we will look at a different word that is associated with the four candles of Advent. Now, there's nothing magical about this, but it is simply a way for us to remember and reflect and prepare our hearts as we go into the season of Advent. In fact, there's two ways I want to invite you to prepare for the coming season that we are now in. The first one is one that many of you participated in a few weeks ago when you made your Advent craft. Now, this is a picture of our little Advent tree. It really is Charlie Brown's Christmas tree. You should see this thing without the lights on it. It is pathetic. But every year we get out our little tree and we have our, our little Bible book. It's the Jesus Storybook Bible. And we have all of our Advent ornaments here. And so tonight we will begin. And listen, if, you take, if you're doing this craft or maybe you're doing something else for Advent, but here's what I'm going to invite you to do. Uh, let us know what you're doing this week. Take a picture of your family doing the ornaments or, or whatever you do. Snap a picture. Send it to us. We'd love to celebrate with you as you are engaging in the season. And the second thing we're going to do is we're going to intentionally light candles because there's a value in remembering that Jesus is the light of the world that gives us hope. The text we just read this morning is all about the hope that is in Christ. Now, I know for some of us, when we talk about birthdays and we think about Christmas, some of us were brought up believing you should not celebrate Jesus' birth on Christmas. Don't raise your hand, but... Any of you have that experience? Some of us remember being taught, hey, we know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, so we won't celebrate it. But here's the deal. As many of you who either were adopted or know people who were adopted, some of whom you don't know your actual birthday, but you were adopted into families who loved you so much, they said, we may not know the exact date, but we're going to pick a date and we're going to celebrate it. Because it's less important the date of one's birth than the fact that you were born. And so we're going to celebrate it. So today we look at this first candle of hope from a text about a man and a woman named Abraham and his wife Sarah. Now if you are new to church, you need to know that Abraham and Sarah are important to us. They are heroes of the faith. They love God, they believe God, they trusted God. And God had promised them a very important gift. He said, I'm going to make you, Abraham, and you, Sarah, you're going to be the parents of a brand new nation. And he, God said, I'm going to give you a son, and you will have so many children from this son that you can't even count them. And so he said, yes, this is going to be great. But then they waited. A decade passed, another decade, another decade, and they don't have a nation. They don't even have a son. And they wait And one of the interesting things is we often hear of Abraham being called the father of faith, but how many of us know that before you can have faith, you need to have hope? In fact, you notice in the passage we read in verse 18, it says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. That hope brought about belief, this idea that there can be something more now. It's sometimes very difficult, if we're honest with ourselves, to hope in the world in which we live. I was last night laying in bed, really trying to relax, get my mind prepared for sleeping, and so what did I do? I just pulled up the magazine, the newspaper, and I started reading about the news. That was stupid on a fundamental level, because I'm reading it, and I'm looking at the news, and how many of us know, if you want to uh, help the... Antidepressant corporations, those who produce the pills, if you want to help their stock prices rise, simply listen to the news. Read the news because it is depressing. We live in a world that seems to sap hope from us. You hear about situations that seem so hopeless. You hear about broken promises and broken marriages. You hear about friendships that do not seem to work. You hear about relationships that fall apart. Many of us don't simply hear about it. Many of us are experiencing a season of difficulty because we say, it's not just out there, it's in here. It's not just the world that seems hopeless, it's my life. I feel hopeless to measure up. I feel hopeless to fix my imperfections. I feel hopeless to fix my faults. And just, I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like you're just failing at life? I've been going through a season lately of just feeling the sense of frustration with myself that there are things that I still struggle with as a Christ follower. I have followed Jesus now for 30 years and there are some things I still wrestle with and I thought, man, I should be over this decades ago. And it feels at times hopeless and yet I find comfort in seeing the story of a man and woman who waited decades for the promises of God to take fruit and take hold in their life. Because what's interesting to me is God promised, but then there was this great gap between the promise and the delivery date. I think about my kids, how right now, when it comes to Christmas, every day the question is, how many more days till Christmas? And I'm like, you asked that ten minutes ago, it's the same day, same number, nothing's changed. But there's a gap often between what we long for and then when it seems to be delivered. So here's my question, how do we hope in what seems like a hopeless world How do we hope maybe like Abraham hoped? Now I think for some of us, we've heard people say, here's the way you hope. Some people say hope simply means that you hide from the facts. They say hope is wishful thinking, and it's only what naive people do. Or others will say hope, it's just pretending, or it is faking it till you make it, that it's nothing real. But here's what is so fascinating. Did you read the passage? Often Christians are accused of being naive. Oh, you guys believe in fairy tales. Your hope is this is this nothing. And yet, did you hear what Abraham, or what it was said of Abraham? Notice this passage. In Romans 4.19, we're told that he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He faced the fact. He didn't pretend that it was not true. That true hope, family, is not pretending like life is okay when it is not. True hope does not hide from the facts. Hope stares reality in the face. Hope looks at your situation unblinkingly and says, yep, that's a problem. Yeah, that's an issue. Yes, I cannot fix what's happening over here. Hope does not require us to be ignorant. Hope is not hiding from the facts. I was thinking about it this week. Hope is facing the facts, but not just some of them. It's about facing all of the facts. See, some of us are really good at selectively facing certain facts. Have you noticed this? Sort of like selective hearing. Any of you have children, you know what selective hearing is. Or uh, let me rephrase that. Any of you wives have a husband, you know what selective hearing is. And so some of us have selective facts when it comes to what we think about. So. Some of us, we, we do face the fact that our world is broken. We face the fact that we have n- no power to change the life or the mind or the heart of a spouse. We have no power to bring wayward children back home to force them to do what is right. We face the fact that our world is systematically broken in so many ways and I can't on my own fix it, you can't on your own fix it. We face that fact, but listen to me, Christians face All of the facts, not just some of the facts. And so we gather, and you know in a few minutes, we're going to have prayer time. And at the end of our gathering, every week, prayer leaders come to the front. People come, and they are received in prayer. And in those moments, they are facing the facts of reality. They're saying, my marriage needs help. My child needs help. My neighborhood needs help. I need help. God, help me. They are facing the facts but not just some of them, all of them. True hope for the Christian is more than just hiding or facing some facts, but notice what Abraham does here in the next verse. It says this, "...yet Abraham did not waver, although these facts that his body was about to fall out, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded." let that sink in, fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. Faith, hope, this idea that that, that things are what they are, that it is a facing of, yes, the facts of life, but it is going beyond just what we see. It is dealing with the bigger facts, that God keeps his promises. Hope does not mean that we hide from the facts. Hope, listen to me, for Christians, hope means that God is not done yet. Hope means that God is not done yet. It does not matter what you are facing. Hope says, I see the facts of this world, but I know that God is not done yet. Hope faces the facts. Yes, life is broken, but it faces some of the other facts that sometimes we forget. For instance, hope faces the fact That nothing can separate you from the love of God through Christ Jesus. Hope faces the fact that God knows the plans he has for you. Hope faces the fact that God's mercy for you is new every morning. It does not matter what happened yesterday. The fact is God's mercy to you is new today. How many of us need a new feeling of mercy every day How many of us go, man, if I could only fix me, life would be better? And you say, I can't, but God can. His mercy is new every day. Hope faces the facts. Hope faces the fact that tomorrow the sun will rise and God will still be on the throne and you will still receive his mercy if you are in Christ Jesus. But here's the good news. If tomorrow the sun does not rise for you, That's actually great news if you're in Christ Jesus, because it means that you are already on the other side, at home in heaven with Jesus. In other words, hope is that no matter what's going on, God is not done yet. So God promises Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a boy, and finally, decades later, God gives him this little boy, and they're so thrilled. They're like, yes, we have a boy. His name is Isaac and he's going to be the father of other fathers and who will have kids, who will have other kids and we'll be this great nation. Yay, God. But then God comes to Abraham. After they're holding this little boy in their arms, they've begun to watch him grow into a young man and after the decades of waiting, the promise seems to be fulfilled and God says, okay, okay. Now what I want you to do, Abraham, is I want you to take your boy up on a mountain and sacrifice him to me. And you can almost hear Abraham's heart screaming, No, what about your promise? Don't take my hope away from me. Don't take away what you've given me, God, my hope, my hope. But notice, that's not what happens. Rather, notice this passage. It says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He, Abraham, who had received the promises, was about to sacrifice his, uh, notice if this language sounds familiar, Christians, his one and only son. And it goes on to say this, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned, that God could raise the Dead. And figuratively speaking, God did because Abraham received Isaac back from death. See, hope is not ignoring reality or hiding from the facts. It is facing all the facts that this world is broken, but God is not done yet. God is still at work. And you know the story God did not ultimately require Abraham to sacrifice his son. But it was one more time, one more way where God was speaking to Abraham as if to say, Abraham, I just want to be real clear that your hope is not now your son, Isaac. Your hope is me. It has only been me. And church, you need to hear me. Your hope, if you put it in anything other than for Jesus Christ, if you put your hope in any person, any group, any place, above Jesus, then you do not have hope for it can be taken from you. The only thing that is invincible to this difficult world, the only hope that will last is if it is in Jesus Christ and nothing else. Can I get an amen from anybody? And so he says, Abram, I just want you to know I gave you your boy so your hope's not him. Your hope is in the one who can give. It's in the one who can give who made the promise, and the one who can keep the promise. Church, the reason this body has grown and been blessed over the years is not because of any one person or any one plan or because of this place. It is because of Jesus Christ. He is the hope of Clear Creek. He is the hope of Chattanooga. He is the hope of Tennessee. Jesus is the hope of America. Jesus is the hope of North America. Jesus is the hope of the world He is the one in whom we hope, and at this time of year, we remember that he came. Now listen, if you're like me, sometimes you hear this, you go, that's great for Abraham, but I have not received my hope like he has. I'm still waiting. I'm still watching. There's a very curious little verse in Hebrews chapter 11, which tells us something that many of us may not be aware of. We look at Abraham's situation, that he has a son, his hope is fulfilled. We go, well, see, he has his hope. But that is not what Scripture actually says. In Hebrews chapter 11, notice this little verse right here. Verse 13 through 16 says, all these people, so it lists a bunch of different people who believed and had hope in God. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They, say these words with me. Did not receive the things promised. Wait, wait, wait. I I thought Abraham had a son. Didn't he receive what he was promised? Didn't he get the fulfillment of all that God had said? No! God's promise to Abraham was not just that he would have a son, but that he would be the father of a nation. He only saw this promise and welcomed it from a distance. He only saw his son born. He did not see the grandson, great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren, great-great-great-great-grandchildren. He, like all the others, admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth, meaning this isn't our home family. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. But instead, they were longing for a better country. And this is the hope of all, a heavenly home, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. His hope was something he simply waved at from a distance. He said, I got my boy, but this isn't the fullness. This isn't the completion. This is only a part of the promise. But he had hoped that what he saw was not the end, that God was not done yet, that God was still at work. And so we know from the historic record that Abraham has a son. His name is Isaac. Some years later, Isaac has a son named Jacob. And then Jacob has 12 sons. God helped the moms with 12 boys Twelve sons. And then they have sons who have sons who have sons. You get all the way down to this one son named Jesse who has a son named David who has a son named Solomon. And they have sons who have sons until we get to that moment where not a son, but the son is born and his name is Jesus. Abraham said, look, I'm hoping and my hope is coming there is an advent approaching it is not here but God is not done yet listen you may not see what God is going to do in your lifetime but because of what God has promised we have hope that God is not done yet you say yeah but what about my child I can't I can't yes but the one who raised Jesus from the dead can certainly return your child to faith yeah, I, I, you know, I hear about this, but what about my marriage? Listen, the one who fulfilled his promise from generations past can bring about restoration. Yeah, but, but, but what about this situation in our world? What about that? Listen to me. The one who spoke planets into existence is able to speak life into a broken world. Amen. And so the coming of Christ reminds us that hope is not hiding from facts. But as Christians, we look square-jawed into the reality of this world and we say, I see that it's broken, but God is not done yet. That is the season we are in. And that is what we are focused on. And at just the right time, Scripture tells us that God sent hear hear this language, his one and only son. And this little boy grew up, this beloved of the father, the promised one from centuries past, arrives on the scenes. And then there comes that day when the father leads his child up onto a hill. And unlike Abraham with Isaac, where God says, no, do not sacrifice your son On this moment, at this time, God takes His Son and He does not stop but allows His Son, His one and only Son, to die. And for those standing around the cross, they said, hope is dead. And God says, no, this is just the beginning. I am not done yet. Three days later, the Son rises from the dead. He ascends to the Father. And now we, as those who hope in Jesus, remember that God kept his promise and we hold on to the promise because we now look forward to him fulfilling the fullness that he will come again because God is not done yet. This is our hope, church. And if this is not your hope, it can be. This is why this morning we light the hope candle. And in just a moment, as we light this candle, if you need to hold the reality of the broken world in your hand and say, God, I don't know what to do with this situation, but I hope that you're not done yet. I trust that you're not done yet. I believe you're not done yet. Maybe you just simply want to celebrate that this is not the end of the story, that in Christ there is hope. And so today, we light the candle. And we remember that the light of the world, Jesus Christ, came into the world. He brought hope so we can have hope in him.